WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community. Head to WRFI.org slash donate. Live from the Kenny Ritter Studios in the historic Clinton House in downtown Ithaca, New York, this is WRFI Community Radio News for Friday, October 23rd, 2020. I'm Michaela Savitt. And I'm Fred Balfour. As you may know, we're still in the midst of our fall fun drive, and we just want to say again, thank you for listening to our program and supporting WRFI. And I want to point out that we only do one fun drive a year. So if you like what we do, donate now to help our general manager pay the electric bill. Your next chance to donate is 12 months off, but our electric bills come every month. And today, your your gift will be doubled by an anonymous donor. And again, this is radio for and by the people in your community. And we have an anonymous donor matching donations today, as Fred mentioned. So if you'd like to support your local community radio station that is for you, our community members, and doesn't work for big corporations or advertisers, please make a contribution to us today, wrfi.org slash donate. You can also call us at 607-319-5445, extension 9. Any amount is much appreciated and goes a long way. WRFI.org slash donate. And thank you. All right, Fred. So we've got a packed show today. Can you let our listeners know what they will hear shortly? Okay, Michaela. After the headline news, you'll hear more about a protest held last night outside Ithaca Police Department. Half a dozen people were arrested and pepper spray was deployed onto the group of protesters. But this is the weather forecast courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, showers are likely, with lows in the upper 40s. Tomorrow, Saturday, morning rain in the forecast with highs in the upper 40s. Tomorrow night, cloudy with lows in the mid-30s, and looking to Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 50. And now here's tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. U.S. Congressman Tom Reed, who represents the 23rd District, including Ithaca and Watkins Glen, held an event in Ithaca yesterday to speak out against, quote, political violence of all kinds, unquote. According to a report by the Ithaca Voice, this was due to last Friday's Trump rally that resulted in a woman having a dislocated shoulder and burned Trump hats and signs along with graffiti on the GOP headquarters in Ithaca. Reed condemned the violence from last Friday, comparing it to the hate that Representative John Lewis received when he was beaten during the march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. Ithaca Police Department Deputy Chief Vincent Monticello and other officers were at the event to survey the press conference. Of note, at the end of the event, people removed the graffiti that remained from last week's rally. A number of counter-protesters 
attended Reed's event, saying chants while the Republicans were speaking. One protester was arrested, which led to a demonstration at IPD headquarters last night where other protesters demanded their release. And as we mentioned at the top of our show, several other protesters were taken into custody. In about 10 minutes, you'll hear from Genevieve Rand, one of those people arrested, and more details on the night's event from Ithaca Voice reporter Matt Butler. In other news, Tompkins County Health Department is alerting the community of possible public exposure of COVID-19 on a TCAT bus on Thursday, October 15, 2020, a week ago yesterday. Potential sources may have occurred, sorry, potential exposures may have occurred on the Route 31 inbound bus, 10.27 a.m. to 10.58 a.m. to Seneca Street, and Route 43 outbound, 12 noon to 12.36 p.m. to Tompkins, Cortland Community College, and Dryden. The health department is asking passengers who rode on bus routes 31 and 43 on October 15th to seek COVID-19 testing. You can visit the website tompkinscountyny.gov health for information on how to get tested. And Ithaca City School District stated yesterday that Ithaca High School will be closed for the next two weeks, reports the Ithaca Voice. The closure is a result of a contact investigation that was conducted after three students tested positive for the novel coronavirus. The health department's investigation reveals that there was potential widespread contact with the virus at IHS, resulting in many students and staff having to go into isolation. Initially, the district hoped that IHS would reopen today, or sorry, this Monday, which would have resulted in only missing two in-person learning sessions. But because of the findings of this investigation, the school determined this was not possible. Cayuga Heights Elementary is still technically set to resume in-person learning on October 26th, as Superintendent Lavelle Brown has not spoken to whether or not this will change. ICSD is giving out free pickup meals for breakfast and lunch for students participating in distance learning. Those picking up meals are required to wear masks. They're available Monday through Friday, from 10 a.m. to noon at the Ithaca City School District Middle Schools, Elementary Schools, and the West Village Apartments. Meals are also being made available from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Ithaca High School on Monday through Friday. Looking at the local COVID-19 caseloads for our counties, the latest numbers released yesterday from the Tompkins County Health Department indicate that there is 13 additional positive and two new recoveries. According to the County Health Department, that leaves 87 active cases of COVID in Tompkins. In Schuyler County, there are five new cases of COVID-19 reported as of today, according to their health department. 25 active cases remain. Voters in New York State may change their vote after they send out an absentee ballot some listeners might be interested to know. That's, re- that's according to WSKG. They say voters can physically go to the polls and vote if they change their mind. The absentee ballot will not be counted, only the vote that was taken on the machine. Ballots can also be given to those who are affected by illness. This can include COVID-19 and any other illness. 
Those who need to request an absentee ballot should mark temporary illness as reasoning for asking for an absentee ballot. If you are already registered to vote in Tompkins County, you may get an absentee ballot without having to mark a reason for early voting. Voting results are said to take multiple days to be processed and finalized, according to 14850 Magazine. Absentee ballot applications must be postmarked no later than October 27th, which is also the last day to apply for one online. In-person absentee ballots may be requested until November 2nd, but the postmark must be November 3rd or returned in person to count for the general election. And completed ballots may be returned to the polling site or Board of Elections early or at polling sites on Election Day. Cindy Emmer, the Democratic Elections Commissioner for the Chemung County Board of Elections, is reminding voters in our area to make sure to sign and date the ballot envelope as well. In addition, early in-person voting starts tomorrow, October 24th, across the state. For more information about absentee voting or to find out where you can vote early in our area, visit our website, wrfi.org. 2020 elections. That's wrfi.org slash 2020 elections. Extensive security measures are being implemented at polling places this election season to protect voters and poll workers, reports Newsday. Civil rights advocates worry that police presence at the polls will intimidate voters, noting that President Trump told his supporters to, quote, go to the polls and watch very carefully unquote, for voter fraud. New York state election laws provide security for voters. Campaign activity is not allowed within 100 feet of the entrance to the polling places, and only voters are allowed to be in line and at the polling places. Measures to, measures to prevent the spread of COVID are also taking place, including mandatory social distancing and mask wearing. Anyone who intimidates or threatens voters faces up to a year in jail and a fine, according to federal law. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud at polls or mail-in elections, and there are not predicted to be any for this year's election. Poll watchers will be present on election day to keep track of the number of voters, and they must be certified by a party chair or candidate. Common Cause, an advocacy group, will also be present outside polling places to assist voters face barriers to voting. And that's going to conclude our headline news for tonight. Coming up, you'll hear more about a protest held last night right outside Ithaca Police Department, where half a dozen people were arrested and pepper spray was deployed onto the group of protesters. That's after the break on WRFI Community Radio News. Stay with us. The money boys, the rest are keen to meet you. Didn't even wave goodbye Don't fade away Fight another day Everything seems useless But everybody loses Muscle Man by Spots is Wood and his enemies Right here on WRFI Community Radio News, I'm Michaela Savitt. And I'm Fred Balfour. And before we get into our special feature for tonight, we wanted to again thank you for tuning in. 
and supporting WRFI Community Radio's many music, news, and public affairs programs. With your support, we provide hot tea in the studio for all us volunteer news team members, which is our total compensation. Other than hot tea, all your donations go to pay operating expenses for this small but mighty radio station. To contribute, go to wrfi.org slash donate or call 607-319-5445 extension 9. That's 607-319-5445 extension 9. And thank you. Thanks for that, Fred. Now we are going to get into our special feature for tonight. Those are the voices of dozens of people gathered at Ithaca Police Department headquarters last night, where six people were arrested. Ithaca Voice reporter Matt Butler was on the scene and submitted this report of how the night's events unfolded. By the time that I arrived on scene at Ithaca Police Department headquarters, uh, which was around 5.45 p.m. or 6 Uh, The scene was already pretty intense. Uh, Protesters had initially gathered outside the department because uh, a young black man named uh, Messiah Saunders had been arrested uh, following an altercation with someone uh, who was in attendance or driving by the preceding uh, press conference held by Congressman Tom Reed and the Tompkins County Republicans over on Meadow Street. Um, He was taken into custody and uh, the other people who had showed up to protest the Reed press conference, they went over to IPD to then demand his release, uh, Saunders' release, I should say. During that protest, um, Genevieve Rand, who has been a, a very prominent figure in the local uh, protests over the last several months, uh, both for racial justice and for tenants' rights as part of the Ithaca Tenants' Union, uh, she was taken into custody because police said that she was blocking a uh, police car that was responding to a a shots fired call on West State Street. Uh, It should be noted that that was not the same call as the murder that happened on Wednesday night. This was an entirely different situation. So um, Rand was arrested. Uh, She said that the police told her to move, but not that she was obstructing governmental administration, which is what she was charged with. and so she uh, she was taken into into custody into uh, IPDHQ, and that inflamed the crowd even more. Uh, that had all happened before I showed up, but by the time I was there, uh, protesters were banging on the foyer of the building, banging on the doors. Um, there were probably I would say around fifteen to twenty people outside, uh, chanting, singing. Um, at one point, they staged a sit-in just outside the the headquarters. Um, and the whole time they were being watched by police officers inside the building, uh, particularly De- Deputy, Chief John, Jep- uh, Deputy Chief John Jolie, who was uh, occasionally waving to protesters who were outside, uh, you know, just sort of interacting in a minimal way at that point. Things took a bit of a turn after two protesters had climbed up, had climbed up onto the overhang of IPDHQ. Those two protesters had gotten down uh, by that point after they were told that they were going to be arrested, but about five to ten minutes later, a large line of uh, law enforcement vehicles uh, showed up at the top of Clinton Street above uh, IPDHQ. They proceeded to kind of descend upon the the group of protesters. Um, The protesters had 
circled into uh, a large um, group, basically linking arms, trying to make sure that no one was going to get arrested or sort of separated from the rest of the group. Um, that didn't work all that well. Police uh, pretty quickly infiltrated that. Uh, they were yanking people out of the circle. Some people were falling on the ground and getting dragged out of the circle. Um, eventually, as sort of the dust cleared, we saw that five people had been arrested. Uh, five of the protesters had been arrested um, and taken into IPDHQ. Uh, that left a smaller group of protesters who were still, you know, linked up. Um, police briefly regrouped. And that is when they formed a line um, just outside, you know, on the street, just outside headquarters and began to advance on the protesters who were uh, who were still gathered, maybe 10 feet away. Um, They quickly got close as they told them, you know, that this was now an unlawful assembly and that they needed to disperse. But protesters did not disperse. And that's when the pepper spray was deployed. Um, It was a brief spray of of pepper spray, a brief utilization. Um, It was. Well, in their release, police said that uh, the pepper spray was aimed at the ground in order to mitigate some of the the harmful effects of pepper spray. Uh, But if you look at the video, the spray certainly ended up, the end of the the spray ended up on the ground. But uh, during the first initial moments, it was aimed very clearly at sort of the knees and lower body of protesters. It It went fairly far into the first one or two rows of the crowd of protesters. Um, and so that, uh, pretty soon after that, you know, there's a lot of gasping, a lot of coughing and, and eyes wiping and that sort of thing. Um, so maybe just seconds after that protesters did relent, uh, they did begin to move back and head down, uh, to the end of Clinton street, uh, towards the, the intersection of Cayuga street and Clinton street. Um, after a while they, uh, they sort of regrouped decided that they wanted to go back up to IPDHQ and uh, resume sort of their, their calls for the release of the, uh, of the six people at that point who were in custody. Um, the first one released was Genevieve Rand. Uh, she was charged with obstruction of governmental administration, a misdemeanor. And sort of slowly, gradually after that, the other five people were released. They were all charged with uh, unlawful assembly and given appearance tickets. And that was pretty much the uh, the end of the scene. It lasted overall uh, several hours. I think the streets were cleared by about 9.45 uh, and arrests had began. That, that initial sort of police incursion into the group had started around, I would say, 7.15, I believe, was sort of the first motions towards that. That is Ithaca voice reporter Matt Butler. And he caught up with the protester, Jen Rand, shortly after she was released from police custody. Here's that interview that Matt had outside IPD with Jen. Okay. Guys, what the hell happened? Are you okay, first? Are you okay? I'm fine. I mean, I'm upset at the police in a way that I actually wasn't before. I mean, I was, I was talking to a cop who was had his car in front of me, uh, um, and before he even like, literally before he even made an attempt to drive around me, Vincent ran up and said, uh, "Nope, we're arresting this guy for obstruction." Gotcha. And I said, "I'm not a man." Right. Um, I'm a woman. And he said, I know who you are. And I said, well, if you know who I am, why'd you call me a man? Yeah. And 
he did it again. And then when we were inside, I corrected him again. And then when we were inside, he called me a man specifically again. He said this guy over and over and over again. When they were fingerprinting me and like booking me, they like were going through the process, asking me questions. Like at no point did they give me shit for my answers until they asked me to spell my name and I spelled my name. And then he, uh, he said like, I can see that uh, you're not using the name that you were born with. Oh, so right. I just need, like, he was like, you can't give me a name that's not your legal name. Gotcha. Like, you have to give me your legal name. And I was like, this is my legal name. Do you know, was that Monticello or was that a different cop? That was a different cop. Okay, gotcha. I can tell you who it was later. Okay. The fact that they, like, deliberately, repeatedly misgendered me while saying they knew who I was. Yeah. Vincent obviously knows who I am. Yeah. Like, I've been in meetings that that guy has been in. Right. He knows exactly who I am. And when he had the power in that situation, he chose to just infringe on that little bit of humanity of mine repeatedly, despite being corrected. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. There are things about, I don't know, what went on today and what goes on in general with the police that pissed me off a lot more than that. But that was just like, I don't know. That made it personal to me. Personal, yeah. Jen Rand, community organizer in Ithaca, in conversation with Ithaca Voice reporter Matt Butler last night at the protest outside of IPD. She was arrested for obstructing justice. And today I caught up with her shortly before our show to speak further about the night's events. Here you go. So, Jen, if you could start off just speaking about you know this is the day after less than 24 hours after you've you were arrested um at Ithaca police headquarters can you speak with me about how how it's been since then you know after you've had a little bit of time to process this processing what happens has come in stages um I very much retreated inside of myself while I was just in there chained to a bench that I couldn't like even recline on um and I didn't really get any sleep that night like I was up until 4 or 5 a.m just like mind racing like body making weird shake stuff it's not even close to what some people experience with the police but it was still terrible and dehumanizing and like my brain is like I said processing it in waves but I'm doing better today um um, just getting ready for Saturday, making t-shirts and, and signs and things with other people, um, and trying to turn the energy that created into something positive, I guess. Have you been misgendered by police before? Um, I have not that I'm aware of. I don't remember. Um, definitely not in an arrest situation, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I've seen a police misgender other people um, when they arrested a minor a few weeks ago who was a trans person, um, they misgendered that person in releases to news sources when since they're a minor, you're not supposed to release their gender at all. So I knew that this was an issue with the police and being someone who's like in the transgender community, I've heard a lot about how, you know, when you go to prison or go to jail or whatever, like the trans people are often put in the wrong prison or jail, which like, especially for trans women is a huge risk. Um, and I, of course, knew that, but I've never been in prison. And even Vincent was arresting me, I was not, I didn't have any expectation that I was going to end up in prison that day. 
in reading the news coverage and and hearing the reports out of these recent rallies in just the last couple of weeks, it seems like things are really getting intensified. So, you know, you know, you as like one of the prominent organizers of these racial justice rallies, in addition to the um, housing justice rallies, you know, what type of things are the protesters preparing for as, you know, as, as the protests go on? Well, like people may have seen in the news last week, um, some of the organizers of the Panteras, which is one of the groups that's been um, stewarding these weekly rallies, ran some trainings on like holding a line and holding on to each other and staying together as people attempt to like physically batter the group or police try to arrest the group or any of those things. Um, we're just trying to get people to realize and to even experience like a taste of the reality of what police or what far right people will do to you if they get the opportunity to, and there's a, an appropriate political climate or like an, a lack of community oversight or something. And what I think a lot of people don't realize because they think that Ithaca is kind of like a paradise in this regard is that the police here aren't really any different from police anywhere else. Their institution isn't structured any differently. Their like accountability isn't structured any differently. Um, and if the will strikes them, they're more than willing to, to do the kinds of things that they did to protesters last night, where all of these people not even wearing, not that it would be bad to wear like protective gear, but not even wearing protective gear, just standing there outside seeming to let their friends go, they'll form like a line and like bring out batons and pepper spray and like push people around and start arresting people and dragging them away from the group and all of those things. Like people need to recognize that every police force is capable of this. And given the inclination to do so, they will do it to the people of that city. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that police have been treating the black community this way without a spotlight on it for longer than any of us have been alive. And the media doesn't isn't as interested in covering that and it's 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 not viewed as something that's as newsworthy because it's basically just normalized like police massively criminalize criminalize black communities and use a disproportionate amount of their policing and patrolling and so on and so forth on those communities and it just this year thankfully like some other recent years it's been brought to the forefront of public attention that in america especially this is a problem um and what I think that, like, even the police going at a mostly, entirely, but mostly white, like, group of mostly young, but not entirely young people is that they, if they retain the capability to do this to anybody, they will do it to whoever they want to. And, like, just because they're now choosing to do it to a group of people who maybe in the past they wouldn't have done it to, doesn't mean that they're not already doing that to other communities. So as like painful and traumatizing as it is to experience this stuff, the silver lining of it is that it gives people an opportunity to see firsthand on camera from news organizations what kind of behaviors and attitudes police employ against the people who they want to criminalize. Like for you, after especially after last night's events, um, you know, how are you feeling going into the weekend? This is the group of people who's showing up to counter protest like the hatred that's going to be on display there 
are, a lot of them are very dedicated and have been participating in these rallies for the months and months and months that they've occurred, have dealt with altercations with police, have dealt with attempted assaults from Trump supporters. Like, <clears throat> people have some level of familiarity with how to deal with these things, and we've only gotten better at it over time. Um, <clears throat> people know what's going on, and they know how to stand together and form barriers and, like, try to keep vulnerable people on one side of those barriers and aggressive people on the other side of those barriers. And these are, these, this is a, a sort of community safety knowledge that's been developed in real time as people have done these protests and sometimes made mistakes during the protests that have to be learned from. Um, <clears throat> and I trust the people that have been doing this for that long to do their absolute best to make sure that things stay safe. I know that I feel infinitely safer when I'm in that group of people than, for example, when I'm inside the police station with the police. Um, so, and in addition to that, like, even if I am a little bit nervous, I feel like this is a necessary thing to do, to, to continue to, like, draw public conversation to this, to continue to draw the attention of people in power to these issues. Like, even if it's sometimes kind of messy and there's lots of organizational shifting and leadership shifting and things, like the fact that the issues have stayed at the center of the conversation for this long is good. And as long as meaningful changes aren't being made and like people in positions of power are not making it their top priority, there is still a necessity to continue like bringing this into the public eye. And there is still a need to talk more about it until it is actually addressed. And until then, I, and I think a lot of other people intend to continue to try to force these conversations. Well, Jen Rand, thank you so much for speaking with us today. And I'm sure we will connect up again soon. Yeah, thank you for covering this. It's, it's great to have people put their attention on these issues. Jen Rand, a community organizer, speaking about her arrest that occurred at a protest outside of IPD last night. She also spoke about the upcoming Back the Blue rallies and counter-protests planned for the weekend. Ithaca Mayor Svante Myrick has commented on the evening's events of last night, writing on Twitter that he understands concerns over IPD's use of pepper spray. And according to the Ithaca Voice, he asserts that the city of Ithaca would be reviewing all footage of the incident to, quote, ensure... All tactics were appropriate, unquote. Tomorrow's Trump rally is set to take place at 2 p.m. tomorrow on the Ithaca Commons. And counter-protesters, uh, as of note, are planning to show up to speak out against the Trump supporters' rhetoric. You can read the Ithaca Voice's full report and view many pro videos of the protest at IthacaVoice.com. And that will do it for our program today. The headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI news interns Tessie Devlin and Christian Maitri. Today's feature producer and my co-host was WRFI news director Michaela Sabat, who is also the executive producer for our program. Thank you so much again for tuning into our show. Again, I want to quickly mention we are in the midst of our fall fun drive and with support from you, our listeners, we're able to bring you the latest up-to-date stories in your community, and, such as the one you just heard about a protest last night in Ithaca. Your support also allows us to do collaborative investigative journalism with other news agencies in the area, 
such as our upcoming series with the Ithaca Voice and Ithaca College Park Scholars, which explores efforts to reform local public safety. You can stay tuned for a bonus episode prior to the elections uh, next week and a subsequent audio documentary at the end of this year. We'd really appreciate your support for our station. Please give what you can at wrfi.org slash donate or by calling 607-319-5445, extension 9. That's 607-319-5445, extension 9. And thank you. Back Monday night and every weekday evening at 6 with more of the stories impacting our communities. For Fred Balfour and the entire WRFI News team, I'm Michaela Savitt. Take care, be well, and have a good evening. One, two, three. WRFI. <laughs> <laughs>